Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to our first NHSA in Action podcast edition. Every week, the e-newsletter lands in your inbox on Friday mornings, and this week we're adding a new feature, the podcast of NIA. So if you don't have time to read, no worries, just grab your headphones and give it a listen. So my name is Taylor Bond, your Senior Manager of Membership Experience here at NHSA, and every week I will be highlighting some of the work we're doing here in Alexandria. So in honor of Black History Month, our Head Start Child Literacy Ambassador, Tay Diggs, whoop whoop, praised the work of Head Start educators and staff on our blog last week. His post also announced that the National Reading Month activity we're partnering with him on, which is being rolled out to you all for March. A little sneak peek for you, this activity will enable you to share a special message with your members of Congress and create a topic of discussion to engage parents when children return home at the end of the school day. Visit our website to get the info you need for Tay's books, Chocolate Me and Mixed Me. In other advocacy news, we have gathered thousands of postcards and artwork that are being shared with President Trump and the 115th Congress. Shout out to all of you that have participated. These past two weeks alone, we've delivered art to over 130 congressional offices and close to 1,000 postcards, telling President Trump why Head Start matters. We still need everyone to participate to ensure that the voice of Head Start is truly heard, so keep sending them in. And speaking of members of Congress, the Hoosier Uplands Head Start in Bedford, Indiana, had a special visit from Trey Hollingsworth at their center this week. Debbie Beeler had visited his office last month while she was attending our Winter Leadership Institute and encouraged him to stop by during his next stop home, and so he did. While there, he said, you read the research on how important early education is. To see it firsthand makes a big difference. You can read the full article about his visit in our Daily News Digest. So Hoosier Uplands was not the only Head Start Center to welcome their member of Congress this week. Western Carolina Community Action hosted Congressman Mark Meadows in Hendersonville, North Carolina on Tuesday. He, too, was impressed with what he saw and said, For me, this was extremely helpful to understand the involvement that these teachers have in children's lives and every day. That hopefully will make them very productive and a vital part of our community. Point being, invite your members to visit because they will leave with the powerful message of how successful Head Start is for America's most vulnerable children. When they come to visit, be sure to visit NHSA.org and record it on our Congressional Visits map. So to finish off our podcast today, I have our very own Victoria Jones, who's the data and research manager here at NHSA, and Scott Gruginski, who just joined us as the senior advisor for policy and effective practice. Um, today we're going to talk about Yasmina's response to Catherine Stevens' chapter in the recently released A Safety Net That Works, Improving Federal Programs for Low-Income Americans. And you guys can read the full article by visiting our NIA email that we sent out to you all. But um, essentially... We're just going to talk to Victoria and Scott about Yasmina's response. I got a couple questions, if you guys don't mind, ready to go. Yeah? Absolutely. Yep. All right. Okay, so Victoria, what was the pilot program suggested in the chapter? So this chapter was written by Catherine Stevens, who is a researcher out of the American Enterprise Institute. And her main proposal at the end of the chapter is that we allow a little flexibility of states to use their federal dollars for early childhood in more kind of as they see fit. So the three big funding streams for early childhood that come down from the federal government, 
um, into our local communities are Head Start, of course, but then also CCDBG, which is the Child Care Development Block Grant, and then also TANF, which is uh, welfare funds. It's te temporary assistance for needy families. Um, and part of that funding can actually be used for child care as well. So these, um, we have all of these projects. And then Catherine is suggesting that instead of these coming down individually, that for a few states we pilot an opportunity for the federal government to instead put all of the dollars going to that state into one pot. And then the state can use it as they see fit to provide early childhood programming to all of the needy kids in their state. Okay. So what is it about this proposal that concerns us here at NHSA, and why isn't this a good idea? So one of our kind of initial uh, things that we were worried about with this is that throughout the chapter, Catherine looks a lot at the K-12 system and notes in particular that there's a lot of arguments of how the K-12 system, at the, which is run by the state or local level mostly, isn't, isn't really achieving everything that we want it to do so far, and that at times they're even widening this achievement gap and that the K-12 schools just aren't doing so well. Um, and so it seems a little counterintuitive then to say, well, the K-12 schools are really bad and those are run by the states, so why don't we just give early childhood to the states as well? And she makes this really great argument for how important early childhood is and how important it is to reach kids um, in that birth to five window. So to then take this really great opportunity that we have to reach kids and make a difference in their lives and add that as a more responsibility for the states when we don't think that we're doing a good job of what they're doing already, um, seems a little counterintuitive to us. Right. Absolutely. All right, so Scott, do you have see any other concerns with this? Yes, in addition to the important points, contradictions in Catherine's mm -hmm. argument about states being in control of mm -hmm. an early childhood system when she sees them struggling with the K-12 system, the solution that Catherine proposes does not match the problem sh that she identifies in her chapter, mm -hmm. namely that there needs to be longer hours of Head Start and pre-K to meet the full day working needs of parents. Mm -hmm. Second, that there's low quality. And third, that there's a lack of affordable access to good early childhood education programs. Putting together combining federal early childhood funds would not in any way address the problems of access, quality, and longer working hours. So, so that's another concern we have with it. The solution does not match the problem. And then Victoria, do you have any other comments about? Anything? Yeah, so there's kind of a handful of things that Scott and I talked about together as we were going over this. And another one was, that, and this is from my, you know, data dork research nerd kind of side, <laughs> is that there's a lot of kind of research in early childhood that's overlooked in this. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, Catherine brings up one study, which is the Abbasidarian study, which is a great one for the early childhood field. But there are a lot of other research studies, right. mm -hmm. um, both from around that same time period and also a lot more recently. And they've looked not only at just early childhood in general to say, hey, early childhood works, but they've really started digging down into what is the quality, what is it that works, um, and finding out some of these really important things. And um, I think Catherine might overlook some of those because of the different research methodologies. And you know, if it's not 
the Head Start Impact Study, which did actually show um, effects that are sustained and um, did show some really great things and was an RCT that there are other studies that even though they weren't RCTs are still totally valid. And you know, all research methodologies have their limitations and come with caveats. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of overlooking often, I think, a lot of these other studies. And uh, you kind of get into that same thing with the research when it comes to the K-12 system and school choice and vouchers. And uh, she suggests in here somewhere that, you know, like school choice and giving the options to parents to choose what's best has worked really well in the K-12 school system. And I, I think we all know just from kind of paying attention just to the news without being a research dork, <laughs> is that um, the results of voucher programs, which is kind of what she's suggesting would likely happen, you know, means-tested scholarships for kids, like that's really questionable in the K-12 system, and we have really mixed results from that. And so I don't think it's as inherently obvious mm -hmm. and her that misread, this is right. Yes, thank, uh, sorry for interrupting, but yes, the misread on research and, and the lack of recognition of critical research studies also fails to acknowledge some of the studies that have shown the very quality components of Head Start, mm -hmm. which are really the gold standard, the right. quality standards, yeah. that those studies have shown that these uh, standards, including comprehensive services, family engagement, mm -hmm. quality professional development, that those are the elements of a good early childhood program that produce positive outcomes. Instead, she mistakenly refers to them as burdensome regulations that really mm -hmm. constrain Head Start and in fact gives, says nothing about the recent updating of Head Start's standards, national right. federal's national performance standards, mm -hmm. which in, uh, specifically um, which specifically require that Head Start programs uh, have an extended day, a du extended duration, right. either in terms of uh, longer hours in a day or longer days throughout the year. Wow. And just the complete omission of this, of these facts really uh, undercuts the potency of her arguments. So we've gone over all the things that she has proposed and obviously we don't like them. So what, ex what are the alternatives that we have? Well, some other concerns that we have with what she's proposing, mm -hmm. which relates to what, where we think the field can actually go in a more productive way, sure. another major omission is the efforts that have been going on in states and local communities for many years, and the more recent efforts that have been spurred on by federal uh, research, by federal actions. So states and counties and local school districts for years have been combining and blending um, Head Start pre-K and child care funds to both increase quality and increase the length of the school day. That's been going on for decades, okay. increasingly, which we're glad mm -hmm. to see. Sure. Secondly, federal government has been promoting and encouraging these efforts through a variety of actions. To start with, they, in addition to the standards we talked about, the recently passed federal education law the Every Student Succeeds Act, or ESSA, mm -hmm. has several provisions that encourage coordination. They also have a new preschool development grant that focuses on coordination. In addition, there are current efforts that states and local governments and programs have been involved in that we should be learning from. 
before embarking on any other mm -hmm. major reform at the federal level, which would create a whole new state bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. Instead, we should be looking at the lessons from the Early Learning Challenge grants, mm -hmm. uh, which many states received under Race to the Top and had these grants, federal grants, for many years that focused on building and, and integrating uh, early childhood structure, bringing all these programs together at the local level. Secondly, the Early Head Start Child Care Partnership grants, which are now in, uh, have been in effect for several years in seven or eight states, are yielding very interesting results about how to bring together child care and Head Start uh, funds to increase quality in child care, mm -hmm. especially for uh, infants and toddlers. We, w we should be learning from these programs. Third of all, the preschool development grants that have been in effect for the past few years also have been focused on coordination. So we really need to look at these uh, programs and the effects of the ex actual experiences mm -hmm. in, in states and local governments before we embark on this new federal radical reform. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for having us. Yes, Taylor, I really thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate you guys <laughs> joining today and um, going um, over our response to Dr. Stevens' chapter. So for everyone listening, just to sum it up, the proposal of piloting a blended funding source isn't a solution that matches the problems discussed elsewhere in the chapter. The argument is non sequitur from the start. And I just want to reiterate the idea that Head Start standards we have really are the gold standard. And really, the chapter fails to recognize that our standards already represent quality and inspire the continuous pursuit of better outcomes. We, the Head Start community, are artisans of collaboration. We know better than most all of our efforts are already being made to collaborate with families through our communities and across funding streams. We see it in our everyday practice. But beyond that, we see it reinforced in our Head Start standards just as we see it in the Every Student Succeeds Act. This has been happening organically for years and years, and there's just no need to disrupt the progress. We do agree that early childhood is the answer, but to say that Head Start, TANF, and CCDF lack coherent purpose is just simply false. So when it comes to proposals like these, we, the Head Start community, know the reality. Head Start programs are continuously working day in and day out to collaborate at the local level, improve quality, and meet the high gold standard that is the Head Start standard. It's your everyday work and the flood of recent research that proves Head Start's effectiveness and negates the need for proposals such as Catherine's. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.